right, folks. It's a actually a surprise bonus cast of Judd's Travel Bag. And today is our very special first day of the NFL episode. Because Lord knows we need another sports cat. We need another sports podcast out there. Now, I'm not going to be able to give you any kind of deep analysis. I am not going to give you locked-in guaranteed picks for your for your uh, for your betting enjoyment. In fact, the only thing I can tell you for 100% sure is that there's a team that uses green and yellow in Wisconsin that I hate and sucks. No back no. Don't tell anybody. But anyway, today I'm going to take 8 minutes and give you Judd's top five football movies and three movies which I think committed illegal procedure. So let's start off with number five. Number five of my, of my favorite five football movies is from 2014 with Kevin Costner and Natalie Portman. It's called Draft Day. Now, first of all, it has Kevin Costner in it. And if you put Kevin Costner in a sports movie, it immediately raises it like two grade levels. Kevin Costner's baseball movies all of them I love. Not, you know, I think Kevin Costner does a phenomenal job in sports movies. Now, it does feature the Browns. Okay. The Browns, uh, I grew up watching the Browns quite a bit. My dad liked the Browns. Unfortunately, when I got to college and actually met real life Browns fans and found them to be kind of jerks. I stopped rooting for the Browns and kind of became a, a Bengals fan. Now, above all, I love my Bears. But the Browns were always like my second one until I got to college and met actual Browns fans. But anyway, this movie does such a great job of taking the boring stuff that happens in the background of an NFL team, all that behind-the-scenes stuff, and makes it something I find very intriguing and dramatic. The whole movie probably has six or eight minutes of actual football footage in it. But it still finds finds a way to be a sports movie and be something dramatic and interesting. So number five is Kevin Costner's Draft Day. Number four, and while we're on topics of, of teams I don't exactly like, is from 2006. It is Matthew McConaughey in We Are Marshall. Now, Marshall is my alma mater's second biggest rival. But it's still, I, I will say, it's still a great movie. Even if it doesn't, if it, if it, even if it doesn't explain how that after the plane crash, uh, Ohio would not accept a forfeit from Marshall and just count it as a game not played, and that cost uh, OU being in a, bowl, in a bowl game that year. But that's okay. That's okay. You know, I think We Are Marshall is one of those movies that kind of transcends its subject matter. It's not just a football movie. It gets into all kinds of different topics of, of grief and growth and things like that and does a great job with all of them. It kind of reaches deeper into the human condition. And I think that scene when they go to the, w, the WVU offices always gets me right, right, right in the heart. You know, here are those two rivals that, that ostensibly hate each other and one is, is doing a solid for the other one. But, you know, while we're on college movies, I have to bring up number three on the illegal procedure list. Don't hate me, but that would be 1993's beloved classic Rudy. To me, it suffers from absolutely saccharine Disneyfication, which means every little subplot comes out to the perfectly sweet, 
awesome resolution. Second, it has what I call the magical or what's called the, the magical wise Negro syndrome, which is when there's an African-American character, usually in some kind of subservient job, that comes in at the right time and offers sage advice that either saves or, or motivates the hero. Also, it's apparently pretty inaccurate because I've, I read an interview that said with Joe Montana that said the whole Rudy chant at the end was, was basically a joke. Kind of on Rudy, not necessarily supporting Rudy. So, number three of the illegal procedure list is Rudy. Number three on the, on the movies I love list came from 1999, Any Given Sunday. And I'm, I'm not always been, I don't always like what Oliver Stone puts out, but in this particular movie, he has exquisite photography, the script writing is razor sharp, and I think it has, it has great acting. Uh, Any Given Sunday is definitely a movie ahead of its time. If you watch it today, even though it's like 19 years old, it feels like it could have been made two or three years ago. The way they, they mix in the soundtrack, the way they have the different shots and, and all that makes it feel like a modern movie, even though it's going on 20 years old. Uh, the other the kind of cool thing is that this movie was so like truthful about what happens in the NFL that the NFL refused to let their name be used. Um, I guess that's just a little too much truth for the NFL. And that, that kind of says a lot. On top of that, I think you get a prime performance from a young Jamie Foxx. You start to see him him uh, growing his acting chops at that point. And I also find that to be Pacino. Pacino's always great, but I think you see Pacino in, in, his, in one of his prime moments. All right. If you didn't like me about Rudy, you're definitely not going like to like me about my second movie in the Hall of Shame. And that would be, yes, The Blind Side. I find its acting to be very ham-fisted, almost uh, dinner the theater level especially from, from Tim McGraw and from the, the man playing uh, Michael Orr, Quentin, A- Quentin Aaron, and not to mention the absolute god-awful acting of the coaches putting on cameos. It's like, hello, Michael. I would like you to come to Alabama. We have a great football team. Uh, I, all of those could be forgiven, but what's not forgiven is how much blindside relies on what we call the white savior syndrome. And that's when you have a, a poor, lost minority person who can only find his way in life with the guidance and protection of a wise and, and more experienced white person. And also, the plot's been so, dig, uh, so Disney-fied that it actually bears like zero resemblance to reality. Uh, Michael Orr himself hates it, and hates it how he paints him as like having no clue about, about of what a football is from the beginning of the movie. He came in to... He came into high school knowing full well what football was. He had played on several teams and, and knew how to play. So he, he personally talks about how he does not like how he was portrayed in, in uh, The Blind Side. But I will say, that's, that's number two on the, on the legal procedure list. Number two on the top list gives Tim McGraw a chance to redeem himself, and that is in the 2004 movie Friday Night Lights. Now, I love Friday Night Lights, but I'm not sure if it's because of the halo effect because the original book is just is a masterpiece to me. Um, also, Buzz, Buzz Bissinger is like an, an epic journalistic writer. And then it also spawned one of Kelly and I's absolute favorite television shows, Friday Night Lights. Um, I, I think it's a razor-sharp look 
at high school sports. And sometimes it cuts a little close to home because some of those scenes that you see in Friday Night Lights could very well happen at, at Coldwater High School. Uh, if you get a chance, there are there is a, a great 30 for 30 short on ESPN about Booby Miles, one of the main characters in, in that story. And also there's a, a, a full-length 30 for 30 called What Carter Lost. And that's the team that played uh, played Permian in the finals and what everything they had gone through the season before and after. And, and that's really a great story. There's also a follow-up book called After the Friday Night Lights, which is also great. Um, but definitely... Friday Night Lights to me is one of the, the best sports movies, let alone football movies around. And then we have our number one list on the list of illegal procedure movies, and that would be from 2000. Please don't be mad at me. Remember the Titans. No, oh, I know there are a lot of people who put Remember the Titans at number one as a great as a great example of a sports movie. However, I think it suffers from all of the things we talked about above. From extremely extreme Disneyfication, uh, that team was dominant all year, and the championship game was like forty-two to, to ten. It wasn't a last-second thing. The other thing is, uh, there is basically zero racial racial strife on that team. Uh, the The white parents in that town were people who worked for the federal government, and this was during LBJ's Great Society time. So these were the people who were in charge of of not being racist and of, of, of getting things integrated. And so they did not have the writing, the, the racial strife that people put, put in that movie. Uh, additionally, the, the experience at that school was that transition was used for years and, and absolute years as an example to help other schools get integrated. So um, I think it's kind of invalid how they took that story and, and turned it into something it was not. If you think about it, Yost, the assistant coach, kind of serves as a white savior. Denzel Washington certainly has moments where he's the magical Negro. And to me, the entire thing is impossible to watch without an insulin shot. So that's the number one. Number one on my list of illegal procedure movies. Now, number one on my list of, of good movies is definitely on there for sentimental reasons because I, I love the Bears. I kind of bleed orange and blue. And it has to be the original Brian song from, two, from, from 1971, not the cheesy copy. You know, I dare you to watch it either the first time or the millionth time without being, without being teared up. So that's my number one. And I know if you look at Brian's song, it's probably not exactly historically accurate. And there's certainly some stereotypes and things like that in there. But in the end, I think it tells such a great story that, that you can kind of forgive some of those things. I do have to bring up two honorable mentions. One of the first one is called The Replacements, which no matter what else is on when I'm scrolling through the channels, including all the movies above, you cannot pass The Replacements without putting it on. It also has the absolute best sports line movie, sports movie line ever, and that's Pain Heals, Chicks Dig Scars, But Glory Lasts Forever. I love that. I use, a, I use a sample of that and play that at baseball games uh, between innings sometimes. I also uh, have to mention the Express, and I was juggling where to put the Express in there um, and where it fit in the whole, the whole list. It's, it's right there. It's like number five and a half. Um, I think it's well acted, well produced, and, and tells a great story. 
Now, I realize I skipped all those 1940s movies about Notre Dame and Army and 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 those teams that were big back back then. And I also skipped a lot of those football comedies from the 70s and 80s, but they're kind of hard to, to fit into a category. Um, like, like Necessary Roughness and Waterboy are both fun movies. They're fun to watch. They're not necessarily great cinema, but they're fun to watch. So that's my list of the top five football movies, according to Judd, and the three movies that commit illegal procedures. If you disagree with me, drop me a note on social media. Look me up on Facebook at Judd Lehman. You can hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at Judd Lehman. Let's see what else. You can send me an email at judgejourney at gmail.com. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed a little bonus cast. Our next bonus cast will come up here pretty soon. And whenever we have these little bonus casts, they're like fun little topics that are just fun things to talk about. Um, I do. We do have another episode coming up of the Travel Bag with a guest this next weekend. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed Judd's top five football movies and three. I committed to procedure. Thanks. <laughs>